know, that thing that makes this worship time so important is that these songs that we're singing together are, are scriptures put to music. And, you know, Paul makes a powerful statement in, in Romans 10. Uh, he, he says this, he says, Don't talk about your circumstances and challenges, but he said, um, because the word of God is near you. It's in your own heart and in your own mouth. It's that close. Because he says, if, if you believe in your heart that the word is alive and you speak it with your mouth, well, then you will be saved. And of course, when we think about being saved, why well, we think about spending eternity with God in heaven. But, you know, the Bible, the New Testament was written in the Greek language. And the word there that's used for saved is sozo. And that does mean we'll spend eternity with God in heaven. But it also means that right today you'll be healed. Right today, you'll be prospered. You'll experience the favor of God. That right now today, you'll have peace and joy. And that right now today, you'll be delivered from grief. So, so see, really, the last half an hour, while you've been speaking the word of God over your life, you've been speaking your own healing, your own prosperity, your own deliverance, the things you've been believing God for, you've just been speaking them out the last half an hour. See, that's what makes this so important. And then Paul goes on to say, this is the word of faith that we preached. This is all there is. You believe that the word is alive in your heart and you speak it with your mouth. See, the speaking is so important. We all believe. But when you speak it, something happens. That word goes to work and it solves whatever, whatever issue there is. And so, man, uh, here's the thing. Don't change. I mean, we're done with worship right now. We'll move on. But keep speaking the word all, all week. Because that's where the answer is. That's where your promotion is. Everything you want is right there in your mouth. It comes right out of your heart and through your mouth. Um, well, man, we've got to move on with the service. Why don't you greet your neighbor here? And we've got a baby dedication today. I'd like to invite the Van Steeg family to come up. Well, well man, you know what a privilege it is for us to be a part of this today. I mean, look at this beautiful family here. I mean, I, I mean this is what makes America great again, is families like this. And, 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 and you, know, um, you know, Chad and Leah, um, Chad is in the Air Force and he flies those big C-130s for the military. And, uh, and, and of course, when you have a family like this, why this is a joint effort. I mean, it's uh, Chad and Leah together. But would you guys stand up and give, I, I want you to give them a standing ovation. I, I mean, you know. Yeah. 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 Everyone's looking for heroes. Well, here they are, right here. And, uh, and, but, uh, and so today, why we get the privilege of being a part of this baby dedication. And, and you know, when, um, when parents bring their babies in a public sitting like this to be dedicated, it, it, they're making a covenant with God. It, 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 it's much like a marriage ceremony. Because what they're saying to God is, man, this child is a gift. Michael Baylor. It's a gift from God, but we're going to do everything we can to, uh, to get Michael in relationship with you, God. That, uh, Baylor. Baylor. Ah, yeah. Baylor. Okay, let me get this right. Okay, Baylor Michael. Okay, we're going to do everything we can to, uh, 
to, to get Baylor in relationship with God. And, and, and we're here to uh, promise the same thing. We're going to encourage this young man. We're going to support him. We're going to pray for him. And so, uh, and, and so I know uh, as you parents are doing this, why I'm, I'm sure that's your intent here. That, and, and boy, if I could say something to you and to you guys both, man, make God good to Baylor. Make God good to Baylor. God will take care of the rest. God is nothing but good. If we just make God good to these precious kids. You know, this is the most wealth there is in the world. A child comes, the potential. And boy, we get the opportunity to be a part of this life. And so, and so as we do that, uh, we're going to speak a blessing over Baylor here and, and the entire family. But hold, if he's okay. You, you know, the parents would bring their children to Jesus and he'd bless them. And so would you just stretch your hand here? What? Baylor, God loves you so much, man. So much. He's carved your name into his hand because he thinks about you all the time. And man, all these people out here, man, they love you too. And they just want the very best for you. And they're going to do everything they can to encourage and help you. And your parents, man, they're for you. And we just declare that you're a son of God. Your entire life will be lived in the pleasure of a relationship with God. And you'll live a long and satisfied life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. It's awesome to see the family of God come in that little form in, in little children. That is like one of the most, the greatest joys that there is. And um, this morning, we'd like to take some time to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Um, so we can prepare for that. Um, how many know that God loves a cheerful giver? The Bible says he loves a hilarious just joyful, prompt to do it, just ready at any time to just be generous toward the kingdom of God and, and toward each other. And so I just want to encourage you this morning in your generosity just to see the heart of God and see the joy of God in your giving. And we just, I just believe this morning is to be a celebration, to be a celebration of his presence, a celebration of each other, a celebration of the opportunity of living in this nation to be able to sow into God's kingdom unashamedly, to be bold, bold for Jesus in this nation. Isn't that an amazing, amazing privilege that we have here. So let's, uh, let's pray over offering this morning. God, we thank you for abundance in the house of God. We thank you for abundance in every home and every family. In Jesus' name, we just declare there is no lack. We declare fruitfulness. We declare abundance. And we thank you, God, for peace in the life of every home here. In Jesus' name, ushers can stand. If you have, um, want to give cash and like to have a receipt for your giving, ushers can give you an envelope. You can put it in there and you can get a tax receipt at the end of the year. I'll slow down a little bit. <laughs> so, um, so just raise your hand if you, if you want one of those. And then um, ushers, when you're ready, feel free to pass the offering containers. Thank you very much for your generosity. Give me Jesus. I love that song. Um, I just think it's so, so valuable having the heart of God in his church. The, the heart of God and, and this the heartbeat of God, what the heart of God is full of. 
uh, what the heart of God is moved toward and drawn toward. I believe it's so important that we as a church family hold dear the heart of God, the true heart of God, what, what is in the heart of God, and um, what moves the heart of God. That is the same thing that should move us. So if you just want to turn your attention to the screens for a moment, we're just going to read this parable. It's called the parable of the lost coin. So I'm just going to expand this parable a little bit with you this morning, and we're going to enjoy this together. Our sermon title is Party for the Prize. All right? Party for the Prize. Look at verse 8 here. It says in um, Luke chapter 15, Jesus gave them another parable. So this is the second parable in three consecutive parables in this chapter. First, we have the parable of the lost sheep, which is 100 sheep looking for one sheep. Then we move to the parable of the lost, of the lost coin, which is 10 coins looking for, now looking for one. And then the next parable is actually the parable of the prodigal son. And so you see the value of the, this the um, item moving up as these parables are said. And the crowd that Jesus is speaking to is a crowd of Pharisees. There's a, the, the multitude is there. His disciples are there. So it's a very mixed group of people. And so let's read together. Jesus gave them another parable. There once was a woman who had 10 valuable silver coins. When she lost one of them, she lit a lamp and swept her entire house diligently searching every nook and cranny for that one lost coin. When she finally found it, she gathered all her friends and neighbors for a celebration, telling them, Come and celebrate with me. I had lost my precious silver coin, but now I've found it. That's the way God responds every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him. He says to all his angels, Let us... Let's have a joyous celebration for the one who was lost, I have found. The one who was lost, I have found. And I don't know if any of you have ever lost anything that you spent all day, maybe all week, and then even forgot about it over time that you're looking for. Um, I think one of those things, anyone lose your cell phone? How long and how much effort will you spend looking for this thing? How, how, how much will you be have anxiety over not having it with you or not not finding it well i think there's a lot but there's so many different things that you can lose that you know it just makes such a difference in your life when you find it right but a little bit about my life um, my wife erin is sitting on the front row here uh, we have three children and having children in your life presents a number of challenges i don't know if any of you uh, have noticed any challenges in your home as a result of having children. But um, solutions are found for many of these challenges, but some challenges are ongoing. You know, at, at least for a season, they say. Um, but the home is to be a place of joy. It's supposed to be a place of peace and contentment. As long as that little person has not figured out how to relocate, are you following me? Once navigation has been activated, the rules of engagement change. So for a tiny human safety, a lot of times valuable or, or potentially dangerous objects are put up and away from, out of reach. And in an effort to protect them from having a negative experience, some people give their home the ultimate baby-proofing treatment. 
plastic plugs are installed in all the outlets. And they put pads sometimes. If you've been to a home, they put pads on the corners of the coffee table and the dining table. There's protecting their child so, from getting hurt. And, you know, there's just that right, right height where they just smack their head right on the side of the dining table. And that just oh, makes you cringe. And, and they're crying. And child gates are installed on stairways to thwart any, any accident on the stairway. And when I was little, you know, I, I played on the stairs. And in fact, it was really fun. I, I slid down them on my backside. And, and I, I once saw this meme on Facebook that said, y'all are making your kids soft. When I was five, I died once, and my mom made me walk it off. You know, my, my parents, they actually stored dangerous and hazardous chemicals right under the kitchen sink. You know, right at my height and, you know, bleach and all these, all these crazy chemicals that are harmful. And um, I don't know if anyone else does that, but now we, we um, when we had kids, all the harmful chemicals, all the hazardous materials, they actually were, le- they were kicked out of the house. And so we only have organic cleaning materials. You know, you could, you could drink a whole bottle of this stuff, and, you know, you'd actually be healthy as a result. <laughs> but oh, no hazardous chemicals, no harsh cleaning chemicals. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, even going to parks today. Have you noticed the difference in parks in the last maybe 20 years? Uh, I play on, at parks on a child, and my, my parents even go with me to the park. I just walk to the park on my own. You know, parents say, where are you going? I'm going to the park. Okay, see you before dark. And um, go to the park, you play, you know, you fall, you smash your head on things, and get home, and you were fine. You know, it was, it was no big deal. But, you know, they had monkey bars at these playgrounds that looked like a not-so-handyman put them together out of leftover steel from some other project. You know, they have the, these super tall stainless steel slides. Remember them? I mean, the stairs are just enough in themselves to, to give any parent today a heart attack. But, I mean, you climbed almost, it seemed like, as high as a ceiling. And, and I see my toddler, Janie, she's almost two, climbing these things just without fear. You know, fear is taught. I mean, we teach our children fear, like, don't do that because it is scary and you could hurt yourself and, and you could be harmed. But, uh, you know, on a hot day, those steel slides are a good recipe for a real good burn. And I remember going down the slide, and after you get a, you know, and the sides of the slide, like today, that you, you slide down tubes. Back then, it was a three-inch little thing that you just hope you sat in and stayed there by the time you got down. And the slide was so fast and steep that you actually flew off the end of it. And landed, uh, uh, you know, ran into other children and, you know, all kinds of things. But, you know, and you remember the, the death, death-defying merry-go-round? They have one just a, a couple, blo- like a block from where we live in Ashby. And, and I watch my children on there, and I just cringe every time the thing is spinning. They want to go faster. And I'm like, no, no, we can't do that because I, I don't want to go to the emergency room. But the thing is spinning along, and, you know, the kids, they just want to stand up and walk free-handed across the whole thing. And, and they're, they're, they're just afraid they're going to fall into it, and, and you're going to end up having a, 
a child in a wheelchair or something, and you know, you, you, as a parent, your mind has all these pictures and things that the possibilities of things that could happen to them, and and you, you don't want harm to come to your kids, right? So in today's world, they just invented little. They've dumbed down the playground a little more for us, right? But, um, you know, there's the old-fashioned teeter-totter. You know, you could put one little small child on one end and one of just the right size, and that child, they slams down on the teeter-totter. The other one is airborne. You know, they just fly through the air. And, you know, I find myself wondering as I watch my children play in the playground, are they going to survive this experience? And I hear stories about what my parents did and what they played with as kids, and I'm wondering how they even survived their childhood. Um, you know, one time we took our son to the emergency room for shoving a pee up his nose. And you don't think, you know, that's not a big deal, but when you're a child and your child's like going crazy because there's something lodged in its nasal cavity, you're, and, and you just kind of, okay, I guess we're going to go to the emergency room because you know, urgent care or whatever else just isn't open at the moment. By the time you get there, you know, everything is already resolved and they send you home. But we do our best to protect our, protect our children from things that have the potential to do harm. And I don't know if any other home has this problem, but my older kids like to play with really tiny, tiny, tiny toys like Legos and, and things. And my daughter, Mabel, when she was like three years old, she was like this eclectic collector of all these tiny things, and she had like five different purses and bags that she would lug around the house, and um, she'd fill them with tiny things, uh, of just uh, eclectic things, just things from this game, that game, this toy, that toy. She wanted all the tiny things, and she stuck them in her bag. And you couldn't take anything from her out of that bag because she would know exactly what was in that bag. And so, you know, every time we were, there was a piece missing, we always knew where to go. You know, it's, well, it's probably in Maybelle's bag. It's probably in her purse. So away we go to her room looking for these objects, and we would find them. They're in the bottom of bags. And um, she's outgrown that some right now. But there's this one game that we have called Pattern Play. I don't know if you ever, anyone has this game. But it's, it's for... Um, cognitive imagination, you know, growing the child's brain, you know, and you can have a, this, I mean, children today, you know, they, uh, I heard one comedian say that they, we used to be honest about our kids and say how, what was wrong with them, but now we're, they're, they're so advanced, you know, now every child is advanced beyond their years, and, you know, so we had this game called Pattern Play, which is, you make designs, and you're, you're creative with it. Uh, I haven't been creative with it with my kids, but they just kind of throw the pieces around. Does any of your kids do that? You know, it's like, this isn't what we're supposed to do with this, you know. But um, it has 80 different colorful wooden pieces that you can put together. So maybe I'll like playing with the smallest, piece, smallest little purple wooden triangle pieces. And she put them in her purse, and one day we could not find them. Uh, this is one of the games that you put up, and then you take down only for a little while, and then you put it away again, or else you're just stepping on it all day. And so here, we couldn't find the piece. And so we, we looked in, in Mabel's bags, and it was not in Mabel's bags. And at about this time, our youngest daughter, Janie, had just started to crawl. And everything that she could get her hands on would go right into her mouth. And so... 
this situation became very serious as a result because, you know, we're thinking Jane's going to crawl around and, and find these pieces and put them in her mouth. And so these imaginary sirens and light bulbs go off on our minds and of, of all the possibilities that could happen. And so Aaron and I hit the floor and we start searching under all the furniture and everywhere that Janie could possibly go to find these pieces. And we couldn't find them. After a while, we were so exhausted for, uh, by, by looking for them, we just quit and we were done. And once in a while we think about it, you know, I searched the couch for, for them and I couldn't find it. And uh, I, I pulled out like a pencil, uh, some tinker toys and some snacks, you know, some uh, gummy, gummy things or whatever, gummy snacks. And so the piece was nowhere to be found. And, you know, money, many months went by and I think it was over a year. And we ended up selling our house and I thought that in the process of packing that, you know, just by chance, we've got to run into this little piece. And I don't know about you, if, if you're like this, but I, when something isn't complete in my home, I, it kind of bothers me. And I, I'm like, I, I don't do well. You know, and in college, roommates would bother me by shoving a book in. All the books have to be even, you know, flush with the, the shelf. And I can't handle when it's push beyond the other books. And so I'm one of those people that if there's a collection of something, it's got to be complete and whole or else I don't, I, 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 I can't function. I, I, I can't relax. And, and so Janie just started to crawl. We're, we're looking for this piece. We couldn't find it. We ended up selling our house. We're thinking with all the packing, putting the boxes together that we come across this missing piece. And so when so we found lots of different items, but we couldn't find the little wooden purple triangle. And after being in our new home for a couple of weeks, I was at Destiny Fitness with Dave, and uh, we were talking, and all of a sudden, I get a phone call, and it's Erin. She calls, and, and she says, guess what? I, she says, says you, you're not going to believe it. She said, Janie came up to me and spit out the little purple piece. <laughs> this is it right here. I don't know if it was in her digestive tract 15 miles away or, or how it came about or where it was. Well, we looked in every toy. You know, kids shove things in other toys and you can't find them. Well, we looked everywhere. We couldn't find it. Well, Janie, in our new home, 15 miles away from our old home, spits out this piece into Aaron's hand. And we're like, this is like the miracle of the coin in the fish's mouth. This, does, this doesn't make sense. And so we're like, this is a move of God. You know? I mean, there's a special purpose for this piece. You know, this, this is now the, the sacred, holy pattern play piece. You know, we put it on our altar at home and, oh, peace. You know? And, you know, things like that happen in, in life. And, and, you know, we were so excited. We were just astounded that this small piece was found, you know, it might not be a big deal to you, but to us, it was a great victory. <laughs> we were so excited to find this little piece, and I told Dave about it, and right after I got off the phone, and I'm like, I feel like I want to party, you know, this, I, I found this, this, what was lost has now been found, and so we were so excited, and so, I, you know, I found great joy putting it back into the box <laughs> in its home, and um, I didn't have to take the sleeping medication anymore. (laughs) 
You know, but when we tune into the Father's heart, we discover his only true concern is people. God's only true concern is people. People are the prize, right? Jesus continually encouraged his disciples, value relationships. Value relationships. Value. That's one, one of the biggest things I believe we value in this church is long-lasting relationships. Long relationships. Not like long relationships, but I mean enjoyable long relationships. I mean, you can have negative ones, I suppose, but good ones, right? And, you know, um, we got to let petty issues fall away, right? We can't let things that, that aren't eternal cloud our relationships. we got to make people our focus. You know, the Pharisees had a very cold-hearted way of thinking and way of life, and they criticized Jesus for his relationships. And he said, this man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. I don't know what tone it was that was, it's probably some snobbish, condescending, you know, we're, we're all that in a bag of chips kind of, of way of thinking. But they said, this man, this man, this man, he, he eats with sinners and he, he welcomes these people that don't follow the law. They don't follow the ways and all the rules that, you know, make us better than they are. And, you know, religion shows absolutely no love or kindness to anyone that doesn't measure up. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Yeah. He was good to me and good to you, Linda. I mean, that was, that's a miracle. No. <laughs> you know, and so this parable the 10 silver coins were most, like, most likely this woman's dowry. It was what she would bring to, financially to a marriage, the only thing that was hers. And she probably kept it in her headdress or around her neck. And so she always had these coins with her. And it was about, you know, it wasn't a lot. It's about 10 days of a, of a worker's wage. And so this suggests that her father was probably, you know, not that well-to-do, and she would most likely be betrothed to a family of, of about the same class. And so the coin, though, here represents the lost soul. This represents people. It represents you and I. It is precious, and it is stamped with, the, with God's image. I have a coin here, and in different countries, you know, of important, influential people, emperors, presidents, kings. Those are the kinds of people that they put on coins, people of influence. And so the coin would have been stamped with one of the emperors of that day, and they would have been thought by many people to be deity or to be gods in the Roman culture. And so stamped, these lo the lost coin, giving it the picture of a lost soul, we are stamped with God's image. Even though the coin is lost, it has full value. It may be lost in dirt and maybe in some grimy corner somewhere, but that does not diminish the value of the coin. And so the coin has value. And um, with religion, life may seem cheap. But with God, not with God, at the center of God's heart is the desire for each person 
to be found, to fulfill God's purpose and to share his glory. And that is why the name Destiny Church, because we believe that every person has a destiny. It doesn't matter if they're a child or a baby or, or they're, they're waiting for their destiny. That child, that baby, they have a destiny. They have a purpose. They have a God-given design and, and, a, and a function in the kingdom of God and, and an assignment why they were sent here to this earth, to this place, to make a difference and to be here for such a time as this. At the center of God's heart is people. And it is a great loss for the maker if one person falls away from their high calling and is lost. It is a great loss. The coin being lost represents total helplessness of man. Not having the ability to restore himself back to God. This coin, if just lost and tossed aside, it doesn't have the ability to roll back over here and jump into my hand. It must be sought out. It must be found and taken up again. It has no power to change its position. So just as a lost coin does not lose its value, so man is precious in the sight of God. Each one of you is precious in God's sight. Every soul, every heart. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter if you came from a poor or rich home. Each person has equal amount of value. If you're a man or a woman, you are equal with God in value. You're equal with God in purpose. And here the seeker in this story is a woman. And you think, well, why a woman? You know, uh, back in that culture, the morale of women wasn't regarded very highly. People didn't care about it. It wasn't that big a deal to them. So here Jesus says that the seeker, this person that, is, that lost the coin, was a woman. And she is, you know, a woman is, is similar to, you could be like a mother, like a mothering figure. Another thing is that the woman is the church. In this parable, the woman is the church. Because Jesus is not only the seeker of the lost, but his followers are also. You and I are to seek that which is lost. Every soul has its place in God's kingdom and is precious. Just like this woman, the Holy Spirit is the great seeker of the lost. The Holy Spirit is continually seeking the lost. On the day of Pentecost, the, Jesus said to wait. He said, stay in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. The power that they received was the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I walk in today. The church possesses and is possessed with the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God, all of power, all, all of heaven's power, all of God's power in the Holy Spirit lives and dwells inside the church. The Bible says that that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, thank you, dwells in you. It will quicken your body. The Spirit of God quickens us. Over two th for over 2,000 years, the church has been seeking. At some times, maybe seeming a little less diligent than other times, but the church at the heart is to seek the lost. And the process might seem long, like when is this ever going to 
happen? When is the, when is the end going to come? But patiently, how, how patient the Holy Spirit is with souls. Isn't that true? The Holy Spirit is so patient with people. He's so patient with me. He is patient. The Holy Spirit waits until he finds that coin and then that explosion of joy that takes place. The overwhelming joy that floods the mind. I don't know if you've ever seen someone that recently received Christ, but there's such a glow and such a joy about them that wasn't there before. There's a lightness. There's, there's a weight. There's a burden that's lifted off their life. And how many enjoy seeing that? Seeing the joy of a lost soul coming to Jesus. That is, that's the greatest joy that we could have. Now the lamp here in this story, it's probably a, a handheld lamp. It was giving a little bit of light, probably more light than any of the windows in this woman's home could have given. And the lighting of the lamp represents spiritual illumination. It represents the Word of God. The Bible says the Word of God is a light unto our, our, our path. The uh, 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 Word of God is a light. It's a light to our feet, a lamp unto our path. And so even as Christ is the light of the world, the church is to be the light of the world. You and I are the light of the world. The Bible says that we are a city. You and I are a city. Collectively, we are a city that is set on a hill that is impossible to hide. It cannot be hid. You and I hold the light. Isn't that a great treasure? Isn't that an amazing responsibility to be, to be handed over the, the ministry of reconciliation? The ability to lead other people to Christ. The ability with the Holy Spirit's inspiration to bring other people into the kingdom of God. Your role as a carrier of the light of God is so vital and so important for this time, for this season in 2021. Your light is so valuable and so important. You know, the, the rough stones of the floors of poor homes in those Bible days, they had crevices between the stones. And a lot of times, fragments of co or coins and fragments of pottery would fall between them, even to the point that archaeologists to this day find these coins and they can know what time period people lived in these homes. And sweeping, the sweeping that this woman did with the broom is an action like the Holy Spirit drawing people. You know, how many times do you need to sweep someone? It's going to be reswept again and reminded and, and labors going across their path and, and telling them that God loves them, telling them what a plan God has for them and being that salt and being that light. The church's job is to sweep. Keep sweeping, fervently, diligently seeking. It's like the whispering of the Holy Spirit. Each voice, and you, you might not have a long, eloquent sentence to say or something profound, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's just that handshake or, or the, the hand on the shoulder for hope for the moment and just knowing that God is there through inside of you, ministering to their need and wanting them to come into fellowship with God. You know, she looked in every corner. She searched until... In, in, Finally, in some dusty corner, in her searching, she's rewarded, she's rewarded by discovering that missing piece of silver. And 
you know, the incredible party that took place as a result of this. God and the angels, they had an incredible party at your rescue. You know that? What does God spend on parties in heaven when one lost, just one, one lost soul comes to Jesus? If we could just have a glimpse, wouldn't it be great to listen or be a fly on the wall? There's probably no flies in heaven, though, since Satan is the Lord of them. All flies go to hell, right? But wouldn't it be nice to be a gecko on the wall, maybe? You know, to be... To be there in that room of the party seeing, you know, I think the people of this church that, and, and the people that you know, saints that have passed on, that are party to that party in heaven, rejoicing over one soul. I don't know what all they know in heaven as far as what goes on on earth, but they might know a little bit more than we know, or than we, we, than we realize. But the party that happens in heaven over one lost soul, I don't know how long the party is. I don't know what they serve, what they eat, or what they drink, but we know it's a party. We know, and if God did it, ah, oh, that's got to be a party, right? There's, I mean, there's no party like the Holy Ghost party, right? And so God and the angels rejoice at your rescue, at your rescue. And you're important. You're valued. Angels and all who share God's heart and his love rejoice at the finding of one sinner. And, and you know what? I, I'm, I'm guilty of this. When it comes to a time maybe in, in a service when we're looking for people that maybe are needing to make a decision for Christ, you know, where is our heart at that moment in a service? Are we thinking about the, the, our next meal or what's for refreshments today? You know, or, or you know, what, what, what are we thinking about? And just think, what, was, what would be the heart of God in that moment? of every service. And, and, and it's not just in services, you know, because the real work of ministry of reconciliation happens outside of the church, outside of these four walls. But the aim of this parable is to show the incredible joy. When the woman found the coin, she called her friends and neighbors together. And she said, come and celebrate with me because what I lost, the coin that I lost has been found. I found it. You know, that's the language of joy. I found it. Did you ever find something? Like, you're, you got everyone looking for it, you know, and then you finally find, here it is, I got it! It was over here, it was in the bathroom, it was on the counter, wherever it was. And that, that great joy that takes place when you find that one thing that you're looking for. This woman, it says that she went to her neighbors. I mean, this is a time when she had to actually go out of her house to her neighbors. It wasn't like dial them up or anything. I mean, imagine this woman... I don't know, maybe, I don't know what, how it would have went down, but she left her house and went out to tell all of her neighbors about this. I mean, I mean it takes a lot sometimes for us to get off the couch, doesn't it? <laughs> Even to answer the door when someone knocks, like, oh, there, someone's here. Who could that be? You know, it's a, like, it's different coming in today's world. Like, when I was a kid, like, you ran to the house, you're so excited. It's company, you were so excited. But now it's like, oh, who could that be? You know? But this woman actually had to get off her, 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 her chair or wherever she was and off the floor. She got up and she probably ran out to see her neighbors and to tell them the exciting news. And so those that rejoice always want other people to rejoice with them, right? If you're happy, you want other people to be happy. And so she was glad she had found the coin and she spent far more in entertaining those people 
than she did than the coin was even worth. Worship team can come on up. Um, this woman, she put out a party that was so incredible. It, it was more... Can't find it, no. It was more than that little coin, that silver coin was worth. It would have been worth about one man's day's wage. That's how much it would have been worth, they say. So putting on a party, it, it, sometimes a day's wage doesn't do too much when you're calling all your neighbors and your friends and everyone to come over. But I want to express today the great joy that takes place in heaven and the joy and the celebratory that we should have as a church over one soul and the fervency and the ability to adjust and to make, to make it possible for other people to come to Christ. You make adjustments for children, right? You put the, the gates up, you put the plugs in the walls, you do all these things, put certain things up. You make adjustments in your home when you're going to invite a child in, Right? And how many know that there's adjustments sometimes that, that we need to be willing to make if we're going to have those that are without Christ have Christ? If they're going to be with us, if they're going to be part of this body, if they're going to be part of our lives, there's sometimes adjustments and things we've got to lay down and sometimes petty things that we think are so important and so vital that God would say, just lay it down for one soul. Lay it down and come rejoicing because the one soul has come. The Bible says the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Thank you, Jesus. God, I just thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit here. God, you are so good. Your, your goodness leads people into your presence. God, we thank you that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. For this purpose was a Son of God manifest, that he could destroy the works of the enemy. God, your word says that it is a wise man or woman that truly wins souls. I thank you for Holy Spirit wisdom in this place, God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Open our eyes, God, to the lost. Open our eyes to those, God, that you would have us to speak to, that you would have us in fellowship with. When Jesus ascended, he entrusted us with the ministry of re reconciliation. Reaching lost souls should be our greatest joy, inviting people into fellowship with God. Sometimes you say the Great Commission, and it's like, oh, man, that was pretty heavy. Not realizing that the Great Commission leads to a great party. The Great Commission leads to a great party. If we carry the heart of God, we'll work the Great Commission with joy. Filling the house of God is our highest goal. Thank you, Jesus. Our task as a church is to carry the light. Hold the light and shine it out. 
share the good news with everyone around us. Just like that woman who diligently looked for that lost coin. There's a, a moment in Scripture that says that it was this prayer that Jesus prayed. And he said to the Father, he says, Father, even as you have sent me, so I send them. As you have sent me, so I send them. So there's a sending that's happening this morning, I believe. Ascending into all places of the world. Into the nooks and crannies, those cracks of those floorboards, those crevices in the rocks with the light going and shining. And bidding everyone to come to the party. What was lost is now found. Come rejoice with me. Come and celebrate with me. One of the names of God, of Jesus, is the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest. And God, I thank you that the Lord of the harvest is Lord in this place. That labors, that we are the laborers in your field, God. And we go to declare your word, to declare your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Let's all stand together. Let's open our hearts and worship.
with just one glance who can change my whole perspective I'm ready to see Just raise our hands for a moment this morning. 
I think there's people in this place that at one time your heart burned for the lost. That was a burning passion in your heart. I believe God's going to rekindle that flame in your life for the lost. When we're singing this song, it says, Behold him, isn't he fascinating? The Bible says Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and the Bible says he lives to make intercession for us. He lives to make intercession for us, and I believe God's going to allow you to hear some of those prayers that Jesus is praying. What is the prayer of Jesus? What is the prayer of the Father? What is the heart of God? What is the heart of the Father? God's going to open your spiritual ears to begin hearing the prayers of Jesus Christ, and the intercessions for the lost and hurting are going to begin being deposited and dropped into your life and into your heart. Even now, through the presence of God in this place, he's dropping his heart. The heart of God is filling the lives of people in this room right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the heart of Jesus Christ. Behold him. Isn't he fascinating? What's so fascinating about Jesus? What's so fascinating about Jesus? What is it? What is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you trouble yourself, Jesus? What is man? What is man? What is man? God, what is it about us? What is it about people, Jesus, that you're just over the moon? God, you're just beside yourself. You can't rest. You can't think about anything else. God, but people. People, people are the prize. People are the prize. People, 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 people. People are the prize. Thank you, Jesus, for your heart reigning in our life. Thank you, Jesus. God, we open our hearts to the heart of God. Give us eyes to see. Thank you for vision, God. Give us vision. Renew that vision, Lord. Renew that vision, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Great commission, great party. There's a party waiting in God's heart for every soul. Can you imagine the, the anticipation that God has? I mean, kids can't wait for Christmas but to open presents, but imagine the anticipation that God has. And, and he says, go get them. Go get them and bring them in. Go to the highways and the hedges. Go to the byways and compel them. Get them to come in. Whatever it takes, get them to come. Get them to come. Get them to come. Get them to come in. Yet on Friday at the, the wedding, David Wagner said, this thing does not end with Armageddon. It ends with a wedding and a feast. A wedding and a feast. It ends in celebration. Praise God. That's exciting news, isn't it? Are you going to be at the party? Who are you bringing to the party? Don't come alone. Bring somebody with you to the party. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you feel rejoicing in your heart this morning? Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Well, if you, if you, you would like prayer this morning, there's going to be some altar counselors to, that you can feel free. Whatever it may be, if you have a physical need, financial or, or emotional, whatever need you may have, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to meet with you and, 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 and agree with you in prayer. 
And I believe we have some refreshments today. So I encourage you, stay, don't go. Stay here in fellowship and start the party. Amen.